0: If you have a Bible, please, could you open with me to Acts chapter 26. Acts 26. We're going to look at just two verses from this particular portion of God's word. But before we read, let me just pray. Heavenly Father, would you still every heart in this car park tonight? Father, we've come here and Lord, we do not know what's going on in each individual's life, but one thing we're sure of, you certainly do. And Father, I pray that for someone tonight, a man, a woman, perhaps even a young person, this would be the very gate of heaven for their soul, that they would come to meet with the one that we love and serve, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom to know is life eternal. Shut us in with yourself, Holy Spirit, and do what only you can do, and that is convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. We love you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We want you to be glorified, Lord. So therefore, we can pray in confidence, knowing that you will hear us. We ask these things for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. In this chapter, chapter 26 of the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul finds himself imprisoned. For his faith in Jesus Christ. It is a place called Caesarea Philippi. He He's in trial before a king called Herod Agrippa. And the Roman governor Festus. He's testifying about the change that Jesus Christ had made in his life. And he gives a direct challenge to this king. In verse 27 and verse 28 of this chapter. And here's what he said. King Agrippa... Believest thou the law and the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa saith unto Paul, Almost, you persuaded me to be a Christian. Friend, tonight these words spoken by King Herod Agrippa, I feel are amongst the most tragic in all of the scriptures. Why? They suggest that this man was at the very threshold of entering into that state of eternal life. He was just a step from being saved. He was so close to possessing the greatest gift a man, a woman, or a young person could ever possess, only when to be standing at heaven's door. He said, you almost persuaded me. Friend, hear me, it's a tragedy tonight, but it is possible to stand at the door of heaven and never enter into eternal life. It's possible to have God prompt you time after time and yet never take that final step to become a Christian. This is what what was happening to Agrippa. I don't believe for a moment it was the first time that God had been speaking to this man. I believe the Lord had been prompting him day after day, week after week, month after month, perhaps year after year. How do I know that? Well, verse 27 Paul says, King Agrippa, do you believe the law and the prophets? In other words, do you believe that the scriptures are the inspired word of God? Paul says this, he says, I know that you do. It seems Paul knew something of this man's open stance towards Christianity. How? Well, perhaps some Christians in the region told him of, uh, how Agrippa was inclining to the things of God. Or perhaps at that moment, God supernaturally showed Paul Agrippa's heart was open for salvation or perhaps as Paul gives his masterful address the conviction was showing on the face of the king we cannot tell for sure how Paul knew but he understood that Agrippa was not far from the kingdom he was ripe for salvation and yet what a tragedy even though God was speaking to this man he refused to take that final step He says, verse 28, good sermon, Paul, but you almost persuaded me. I wonder, am I talking to someone in this car park tonight? You're like this man. God has been prompting you time and time again. You're but a step from becoming a Christian. Friend, my prayer is that you would not leave this service like Agrippa saying, oh, enjoy the sermon, Stuart. You almost persuaded me. No, my prayers in the words of Paul in verse 29, and we didn't read it, that you would all together be, as many of us are here tonight, a fully fledged follower of Jesus Christ. But you know, this happens today. There are modern day Agrippas in every walk of society and in every church, those who almost get there but never quite take that final step. Who are there amongst us? who are always almost Christians. Well, here's the first category of people. There's the children of Christian parents. How often are these always almost Christians? It's alarming to me how often our children are so close with a f- and familiar with the things of God and yet never take that final commitment. They come to church week after week they hear the sermons. They're probably sick of the sermons. <laughs> they hear many prayers. They know the songs. They may even join in. And as they do so, some of us are, uh, who are parents can just take for granted that they're already Christians. But in many instances, they are certainly not. Because they haven't yet made that decision. to accept Jesus Christ for themselves. And I want to uh, address The children of Christian parents, especially the teenagers tonight. I want you to know, young person, that I love you. But because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to challenge you tonight. Almost getting there. Almost being persuaded is not enough. Coming through the doors of the church. Week on week won't save you. Listening to the sermons, singing the songs. All of these things will not make a difference. You must take that final step through the door of heaven to take Christ as your own and personal Savior. One man said to me, Stuart Elliott, when you're preaching, always remember that God does not have grandchildren. (laughs) You cannot get into heaven on your mom and dad's ticket. You must accept Jesus Christ for yourself. That's the first category of people who are almost Christians. Then there's another category. They're what I call the regular church attender. Notice, not Christians, but the regular church attender. How often are these always almost Christians? I've seen a million of them. Sermon tasters, they breeze in and out of churches, usually out of a sense of bogus fear. They enter the singing they enjoy the sermons. Sometimes they can be moved to tears as they mingle in the holy atmosphere. But they come to church events and enjoy it. But you know what I found? Their emotions never bring them to the place of repentance. I wonder am i talking to someone like this tonight. You come here. You probably enjoy the pastor's sermons. You take pride in being at the services. Friend, hear me again. I want to tell you I love you. But because I do, I'm going to tell you the truth. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Note I've wrote here, just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. (laughs) Yes, you come through the doors. You're almost there. You're on the premises. But can I ask you, are you standing on the promises of God? You can have all the fun with us as Christians. You can enjoy the good times and we will welcome you. But if you're not going to accept Christ, then you're going to attend. You're going to fellowship. You're going to laugh. And you may even cry yourself into a lost eternity. No doubt Agrippa went to synagogue. No doubt he was moved as Paul gave us a dress. No doubt he was even enlightened in his heart. He perhaps even wiped away a tear from his eye. But he adjourned the court that day by saying, Good sermon, Paul. You almost persuaded me. Friend, externals are not enough. Christian means Christ inside your heart. Stuart, you're speaking to me. I'm almost there. Friend, almost is not good enough. You must become a fully-fledged follower of Jesus Christ. Then there's a third category of people. And they're what I call the religious Church goer. These again are different from the regular church attender who know that they're sinners but just won't commit. The religious, however, however, feel their good works merit them favor before God. And these are ten a penny. I've been confirmed, they say. My name's on the church roll. I've been sprinkled as an infant. I've given to the church. I have fed the poor. Listen to this one. I'm a good person. Hello? Hear me. It doesn't matter that you've been confirmed baptized as an infant it doesn't matter that you've given to the poor the church it doesn't matter that you're a good person or even that your name's on the church roll None of wrote here your name might as well be on a sausage roll <laughs> because if christ is not in your heart by faith you're going to be always almost a christian religion cannot save you Amen. your good works cannot save you. Your own righteousness cannot save you. They will keep you always, almost a Christian. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. My religious friend, if you're to take that final step, you need to trust not on your own merits, but on the merits of Christ's sacrifice for you. For this is the only thing that God will accept. Religion will keep you always, almost, a Christian. Then there's a last category of people. and They're what I call the husband and wife of a believing partner. I'm thinking of my wife's granddad, George Perry. Wee George is in his 90s now. Still not saved, but he used to go, and Pastor Ken I remember George, perhaps from the Whitewell Church, he used to sit on the left-hand side And listen uh, on the floor of the Whitewell Church. And he used to listen to some of the most fiery sermons from um, Pastor James McConnell. And he would even lift his hands in the service and sing. And then he would go out into the foyer with his wee suit on. And um, as he's out on the foyer, he actually used to stand at the door and shake hands with everybody. And one man came up to me one night and he said, is he a pastor? I said, he's not even a Christian. And do you know what? In his life he's almost there. But as the scripture said, the summer has ended, the harvest is past, he's in his latter years and he's still not saved. Maybe you're like that tonight. You have a partner who is a Christian. And when they're around the house, you're so familiar with the things of God. They bring you to church. You've heard the sermons. You understand. You've been touched. But you've drew back from committing. And now those same sermons don't have the same effect on you. Friend, hear me. I pray that you would not go on in years in that almost state. For you also will be lost. I pray that in this place you would not almost be a Christian. But would altogether become a fully-fledged follower of Jesus Christ. Four categories of people. Do you fit into that category tonight? Oh, I pray you would surrender to Jesus. But then, I want to speak about three reasons as I close why people remain always almost Christians. And here's the first one. People remain always almost Christians, I find, because they're waiting for a visual sign Or some sort of emotion to well up within them before they'll come to Christ. That was a young man in Lurgan one night. I went to a BBO boys football dinner and I gave him a testimony and went to the door. And as I stood at the door, the young man came out and he said, Stuart, what you said really challenged me tonight. But you know, I have parents that are Christians and I've been going to church, but I've been waiting for years just for God to show me some sort of sign or some sort of emotion to well up within me. And I says, well, do you want to know, young man, you'll be waiting for a while. I said, because emotions has got nothing to do with it. The Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. I said, you need to do that tonight and then God will bring the emotions afterwards. And I can only pray that that young man took my advice. You know, the Lord encouraged the Jews of his day to trust by faith and they replied by saying, except we see a sign, we will not believe. And Jesus turned to them and he says, A wicked and adulterous generation seeks a sign and no sign should be given them except a sign of Jonah. As Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days in the heart of the earth. And what he was saying is the only sign you'll ever get is my death, burial, and resurrection. If you do not believe that, you will never become a Christian. God requires faith, friend. Luke 16, we hear the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And I want to tell you about that story very briefly, but as I do, I want you to think about the fact that it's the loving Jesus, it's the gentle Jesus who told this story. He talks about this rich man who fared sumptuously every day. In our day, we're probably a multi millionaire. And there was this beggar called Lazarus who lay at the rich man's gate just begging to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. And not even that was given to him. The dogs came and licked his sores. But there was a day of reckoning. We're told that Lazarus, after he died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man, he also died. And we're told the minute he shut his eyes in this life, he awoke in the place called hell. And being in torment, he cried out and said, Father Abraham! Have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And I want you to know what comes next. Abraham replies to him and this is a tragedy. Here's what he said. He said, son, remember. Isn't it a tragedy tonight that those in a lost eternity have their memory? They can remember Crusades like this, opportunities like this, times when they heard the gospel and they should have responded. He said to this rich man, Abraham said, son, remember. Remember that in your lifetime you received all of the good things. Likewise, Lazarus, these evil things. But now the tables are turned. He is being comforted and you're being tormented. And then Abraham says this, besides all of this, there's a great gulf fix between us and you. You cannot come to where we are, and we cannot come to where you are. And and here's what this rich man said. Notice the concern that those in the lost eternity have for us on the land of the living. Here's what he said. Well, if I can't get out of here, will you send Lazarus the beggar back from the dead? Because I have five brothers in the land of the living. And if they could just see the sign of the beggar coming back then, surely they would believe. Listen to what Abraham replies. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, in other words, if they don't believe the Bible preached, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. And friend, if you need a sign tonight, this word is the only sign that you're going to get. If you don't believe this, then not even a miracle will save you. Waiting for a sign will keep you always almost a Christian. Then there's another reason why some Remain almost Christians and it's because, listen to this one, they think they have more time. That was Felix in Acts chapter 24. Like Festus, here was another Roman governor who heard the Apostle Paul speak. And we're told as Paul reasoned, listen to this, of righteousness and of judgment to come. We're told that Felix trembled. But listen to what he says to Paul in verse 25. He says, go your way for now. When I have a convenient season, I'll send for you. This man was very presumptuous. It was this convenient season that never came. He left Paul in chains. He goes off the pages of scripture and out into eternity and we don't know whether he ever repented. Friend, this is the biggest gamble of all. Being almost there and yet putting it off to another time. I want to say this to you tonight. You might not have another time. This might be the last time that God ever speaks to you. And that's not to say that you might never attend one of these gatherings. That's not to say that you might never go into a church again. I'll be honest with you. I have seen men and women harden their heart to the things of God. And because they did, God had passed them by and finished speaking to them. Tomorrow is not promised to you. I want to tell you, and I'll be five more minutes, I want to tell you the story about two apprentice devils. I learned this from a pastor in Whitewell, <laughs> so I stole it off Pastor McConnell. He talks about two apprentice devils wanting to qualify in Satan's school of deception. And as Satan sits in the boardroom, he calls the first devil in, and he said to him, what would you tell a man, a woman, or a young person in order to keep them from becoming a Christian. And the first apprentice devil leans over the table. And he said, Master Satan, I know what I would do. I would tell him that there's no God. And Satan said, sorry you don't qualify. Because deep down in the innermost recesses of everyone's heart, they know that there's a creator. Satan said, Romans 1 declares that even the invisible things of God are clearly demonstrated in this beautiful creation of his. So that they are without excuse. Satan said to him, the very commandments of God are written on the conscience. Even before they were written on stone, God had put them into the mind. of every man, woman, a young person, and he said to the apprentice devil, sorry, you don't qualify, calls the second one in. Satan says, what would you tell a man, a woman, or a young person in order to keep them from becoming a Christian? And the second devil leans across the table and he says, Master Satan, I would tell them to come back next week and Satan says you're the one that I want because they'll believe it every single time. Friend, he will whisper that to you tonight. He whispered that to a man in Albury, East Yorkshire one night. I often tell this story. An elderly man, I preached the gospel with all of my heart that night. I came and stood at the door. I like to greet people on the way out and he came to me and he says, Young man, Again, you really spoke to me tonight, but I'm not a Christian. And I said, sir, please do not leave it too long. He said, I'll think about what you said. Getting up into the pulpit at the Living Hope Church in Hull where I was pastoring and Mary Yerkovich, one of our congregations, she comes to me and she says, Stuart, were you in Alborough through the week? I says, I was Mary. She says, were you speaking to an elderly man at the door? I says, I was, Mary. He was telling his family how much he enjoyed the night. She says, But the family have sent a message to you to say that that man tragically took a heart attack in his driveway and was launched out into eternity. See, the devil whispered to him that night, You can come back next week. He didn't have next week. And yet, I often tell as part of my testimony story being in um, Motherwell football. Stadium that night and preaching on Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Rejoice, O so young man in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all of these things, God will bring you into judgment. And how many young people came to Christ. And of course, I tell the story about how there was a pastor's son there that night. And his dad said over the years he become so hardened to the gospel he didn't want to respond. But that night he accepted Jesus Christ. His dad sent a message to me to say, Son, thank you that you told the truth because my son came to Jesus that night. Three weeks later, he was tragically killed in a car accident. And his daddy stood over the grave of his own son crying tears of sorrow but also tears of joy that his wee lad had been right with God and went out into eternity and it was well with his soul. My friend of these stories teach us anything. It's that you're not to put off to tomorrow what you must do tonight. Friend, don't let it be almost tonight, but altogether become a fully-fledged follower of Jesus Christ. So, three reasons. Number one, people are looking for a sign. Some believe they have more time, but get this last one, and I'm finishing with this. I'll hand it back to the pastor. Some people remain always almost Christians, and this is a biggie. Do you know why? Because they just can't let this world be left behind. This is the ultimate reason Herod Agrippa couldn't take that final step. He no doubt admired Paul. He was secretly inclined into the scriptures of truth. But ultimately the world with all of its sinful desires meant more to him. He's on the brink. There's a war going on inside this man. Perhaps there's a war going on inside your heart tonight, friend. That was Agrippa. I want to set the scene for you as a close. Paul is in chains. He's standing before Agrippa. Perhaps Agrippa's on a platform with Festus, the Roman governor. He's arrayed in pomp. And as Paul begins to tell him about the truth, about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, there's a war going on inside Agrippa's heart. One part of him is saying, this is the truth. I have to make a decision. I'm coming to Jesus. And yet there's another part of him saying, hold on. If I accept this Jesus, then I'm going to have to go back to Rome and I'm going to have to tell Caesar that I've pledged my allegiance to the heavenly king. And then as he looks to the right or the left of him, he sees his his wife and he says, I definitely cannot come. But you know why? Because he was in an incestuous relationship and he weighs it all up. And he says, I'll lose my palace. I'll lose my position. I'll lose my prestige. And he says, oh, Paul, I know it's the truth. I know it's the truth about Jesus, he says, but I just can't leave this world behind. He wants to come, but the pull of the world is too strong, and he says, "Paul, can't you see him? Can't you hear him? He almost persuaded me. I wonder, as I finish, am I talking to you in Agrippa tonight? You're touched by the gospel? You admire the people of God, but you can't follow because it would mean you renounce renouncing your allegiance to other things and other people. Friend, hear me tonight. If you can't turn from your sins, if you can't turn away from those things, whatever they are, then you will live for those pleasures and you will go out into eternity lost. I pray that that would not be the case tonight. I pray that you would be all together as many of us are, a fully-fledged follower of Jesus Christ. Do you fall into those categories? If you do, do you know where you are? You're standing on the brink of eternity. Friend, don't be almost there. I pray tonight that you would take that final step to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to tell you this. The Lord loves you tonight. He loves you. He's brought you here. He's drawn you here. You're so close. I pray that you would step over the line. I said this last week. And I'll say this as I finished. I was at that place. And see when I seen what he did for me. I not only only stepped over the mark. I actually run over the mark. Into the arms of Jesus Christ. To know him is to love him. And to love him is to serve him. I pray that you would hear. And heed the voice of God tonight. And thank you so much for your attention. May God bless his word to each of our hearts. Pastor Ken, thank you.